ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Here is Tim Cass. We've got him on the telephone now. Hello, Tim. Yes, Tim. Good morning. Greeting from a grey and gloomy day here in New York City. Yes, yeah, so you got back to the States obviously just okay. <laughs> yes, I made it back um, about 10 days ago. Yeah. Um, I have to say it was a bit of a culture shock. It's uh, been very grey and gloomy here for the last 10 days. We haven't seen a hint of sunshine. So uh, very different from my experience back in Australia. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I will say the 16-hour difference has really knocked me off my feet. That uh, jet lag can really get you. I, it's never so bad when I go to Australia. I think it's because I'm so excited to, to be there and see my friends and family. But yeah. I have to tell you, coming back, that 16-hour difference is uh, is tough. Oh, it's real, all right. You know, it's funny. Um Am I the same as you? I always felt, I haven't been overseas for quite some time. I always found, particularly Europe, I, the jet lag wasn't too bad over there. But when I got back here, oh, God, you know, a couple of days and you're walking around like a zombie, aren't you? Yes, exactly. I don't seem to be able to make it through the day without taking at least two naps. But uh, someone yeah. did suggest that for every hour difference, yeah. it does take one full day. So that means... 16-hour difference is 16 days, and I'm only 10 days in, so I think I've got another six days to go, unfortunately. Yeah, right. I know it's real, all right, and uh, it's not fun. Now, um, improving the streets of New York. Well, this is a problem we've got here, too. It seems like it's a never-ending job, hey? Yes. I have to tell you, Tim, that since COVID has kind of come to a an end, mm. that uh, during COVID, of course, the restaurant business in New York was suffering. So the city allowed restaurants to build these sort of sheds outside their premises on the street. Right. And they took away parking to allow them to do this and it allowed people to sit outside uh, free from COVID, ideally, and, uh, and dine. And of course, we did that through the winter months. In fact, I can remember sitting outside while it was snowing and uh, having a dinner sitting in my uh, winter coat and scarf and hat. But, uh, you know, we're back to winter again this season and Mm. all of these sort of sheds that have been built around the city kind of still remain. And unfortunately, they become sort of a place for people to dump their rubbish and also for the homeless. So it's causing a bit of a problem. I was just riding around the East Village uh, yesterday and I could see all these disused sort of outdoor dining sheds and the city really needs to clean up the streets it's not attractive and it's made a big difference as well as you know i've mentioned before scaffolding is around around many buildings in new york um it's a a law that they have to inspect buildings every seven years but uh again the scaffolding has stayed up for way much longer than it needs to and the city is now introducing new regulations to pull down the scaffolding and also to remove these uh dining sheds in the streets so Hopefully they'll definitely improve the appearance. Yeah, you know, it's a long time ago, uh, Tim, but my first visit to New York, uh, and it was to do some work actually, was in the 80s, I think about 1984. And the first thing that struck me then was uh, that, you know, midnight, one o'clock in the morning, there was these lovely restaurants open and open out onto the street. And I was there in August, so it was very warm. And I thought, how great is this? So it's not good if uh, they're, what, destroying the look of the place, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's great during the summer months and the spring, of course, and they have 
um, allowed regulations so that uh, the restaurants can have dining outdoors in the in the spring and summer, but uh, they really need to remove these ugly, disused sheds because they're starting to look a bit like shantytown here in New York City. Yeah, right, right. Well, I suppose that begs the question. I, I know you've got a lot of homeless people, but, uh, gee, they must be struggling uh, to get some sort of shelter in this weather you've got, yeah? Yes, I mean, homeless is a big issue here, as I think it is in most big major cities around the country. But, um, you know, a lot of these homeless people don't want to go into these shelters for whatever reason. So, yeah, um, I know. You yeah, know, I know. There are facilities here no. that they can use, but uh, many of them prefer to stay on the street for whatever reason. Exactly the same here, Tim. Yeah, a lot of people say, oh, why, mm. why can't you uh, house those people? A lot of them, and I mean a lot, don't really want to be. They prefer to be where they are. So I think we have to understand that sometimes. Right. Um, that's interesting. Uh, thank you, Jen. Uh, from Maranong says, always feels worse flying west to east. Might be something to do with uh, flying against the sun, the jet lag, says Jen. Interesting thought, isn't it? Yeah. Mm, mm. yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously coming back from Australia is always a very long day because um, of you no know, crossing the dateline and the time change. So uh, yeah. it uh, feels like the longest day of your life coming back. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, and I guess this is also uh, a bit of a New York problem, making your subway platforms a bit safer. Yes, I mean, the subway system here is, you know, come back to more normal numbers and there's hundreds, in fact, thousands, millions of people that use the subway every day to get to work. And, you know, the system's 100 years old, Tim, and unfortunately, you know, there's no mechanism by which to protect people from stepping off the platform or being pushed off the platform or accidentally falling uh, off the platform onto Mm. the tracks of an oncoming train. And I have to tell you, Every other day, it feels like someone is reported on the news as either falling or being pushed onto the tracks. In fact, just yesterday, a young boy fell onto the tracks and he managed to survive because he crawled under the ledge of the platform. But uh, the city needs to you know, make some changes and they've started to introduce some barricades. They're like metal fences that um, stop okay. people from yeah. stepping over the edge and they have openings where the doors open to the trains. But... Um, you know, I've been to many cities and over the years, and most cities, particularly just London recently, you know, they have a wall that protects you from the train, and they have a system of doors, and those doors open when the train doors open. We, in fact, also have those here in New York. There's a train that takes you from Newark Airport into the city, and that train has the same system. So it's not something that, you know, we're unfamiliar with. Um, they definitely need to do something, but unfortunately... You know, the subway system is a very expensive system to run. As I mentioned, it's over 100 years old, and they need to make a lot of improvements. And I'm afraid, you know, installing walls and automatic doors is going to be an expensive um, project. Yes, maybe not as prevalent here, but uh, not necessarily underground either. But uh, there's a fairly large gap and there's always an announcement on our trains uh, to mind the gap between uh, the train and the edge of the platform. And uh, we do have, sadly, some incidents of people getting stuck in there. So, yeah, that's a that's a problem, isn't it? It really is. I suppose it's uh, always going to be with trains and uh, people just have to be very, very careful, don't they? Yes, I mean, unfortunately, you know, with the number of people that are traveling on the trains, they get very, very crowded and everyone, of course, in New York is in a rush to get wherever they're going and uh, people push and shove and you just have to be very careful. I can tell you that there was one instance I was with where 
you mentioned that gap, and that's very real. I remember mm. walking onto a train once, and a, a woman was holding onto her toddler, and the toddler fell between the gap. Fortunately, there was enough time to lift them up, but uh, it was quite a shocking experience to see this little kid fall between that crack. So yeah. it's you know something to be very conscious of. Yeah, indeed, it, indeed, it is very careful around because it's easy enough to do uh, when the gaps. Uh, well, you know, to be, um, you can certainly get your your foot stuck or you know something that you're pushing off the train very easily. But we don't, don't want to be prophets of doom. Now, uh, it's been closed for a while, but you have on occasions the world's best restaurant. <laughs> yes, Tim. <laughs> the um, this is one called Eleven Madison Park. And uh, it was claimed as one of the as the best restaurant in the entire world, and it had um, you know multi star rating with Michelin. And uh, of course, it unfortunately closed during COVID, but it did announce uh, in 2021 that it was going to reopen as with a completely vegan menu. And as you and many of your listeners know, I've, I'm trying to keep to a vegan diet whenever possible. So I had been to it once before when it was vegan and enjoyed another meal. And I went back. I returned just this week. Mm. And Mm. I will say I had an exceptional 10-course vegan meal, probably one of the most expensive meals I've ever had. (laughs) But uh, it was very good. And I will say that there were a lot of skeptics that said that – this restaurant wouldn't make it back to its top rating, but uh, just last year it gained another three Michelin stars. So, again, it's in the top restaurants in the world and it's leading the path and mm. vegan menus. And uh, happy to say that I think uh, it's going to change the culinary culture of the world because uh, it's one of the leading restaurants and it's really paving the way to a vegan menu. Yeah. Um, let the listeners know, if you, if you want to, 11 Madison Park, what did this cost you in, in your dollars? Uh, and so they have a, it's a fixed course menu and it's 10 courses and it's 350 US dollars per head. Whoa. So for two of us, <laughs> 700 US dollars, which I think basically I, yeah. I realized when I was in Australia, how great the exchange rate was with American dollars. Oh, uh, you were doing well. That's, <laughs> that's probably close to a thousand dollars. It is. It is. So, well, uh, I, I think we I think we're currently at about 65 or 66 cents. So, yeah, whoa, okay. Right. I'm very pleased you enjoyed it. And then, of course, <laughs> Tim, you have to – then, of course, you have to factor in the tip, of course, which is another sort of 20% on top of that. But uh, interesting enough, this is quite an, an interesting story. One of my agents um, from years ago, in fact, about six years ago, gave me a gift certificate to this particular restaurant. Mm. And I had misplaced it for all these years, and I happened to come across it. I was watching a show on Netflix called You Are What You Eat, Mm. and it reminded Mm. me of this restaurant, and it reminded me that I had a gift certificate. So I searched high and low, and sure enough, I managed to find it. And uh, it had a number on the back, and it didn't mention an expiration date. Mm. So I reached out to the restaurant to see if they would honor this gift certificate, and I gave them the number that was on the back. And sure enough, uh, they were happy enough to honor it. And it was for $500. Wow. So I was very happy to use that for <laughs> yeah, yeah. dinner and uh, certainly made it much more affordable. Well, Al's just done the numbers for us. That's uh, Your meal was, in our money, $549.37 a head. And that's without the tip. 
Right. <laughs> and now uh, this is yeah, this is lo- this is lovely. That's what you get for going for one of the world's best restaurants. Exactly. Yeah, uh, a treat. Now this is lovely. An Argentinian artist is uh, giving you a touch of colour that you need in the springtime. Yes, this woman, uh, Anna Maria Hernando, she has done this installation in Madison Square Park, which just happens to be across the street from Eleven Madison Park Restaurant. So I was wandering through the park to get to the restaurant. And, you know, New York is very grey at the moment. As I said, we've had 10 days of no sunshine and no leaves on the trees. And it's all very dull and grey at the moment coming back from Australia. And I will say there was a spot of colour in this park. They do, they are known for having these art installations. And this particular artist has put in what I would call pink mushrooms. They stand about two metres high. Oh, okay. And the head of the mushroom is made of colored tulle, mostly pink tulle, and they light up at night so you can they're brightly lit. So it really adds a lot of interest to the park um, for those people that are walking through it in the evening and also during the day. And it's really invigorating to see this sort of bright colors in the park. And I will say this park is known for its installations. They, it's one of my favorite parks, Tim. Yeah here in New York City because it has um, a dog run, it has a children's playground, it has a beautiful fountain. Oh, they nice, always do nice. wonderful plantings in the springtime. Yeah. And uh, it's one of my favorite parks to frequent. But uh, they are celebrating their 20th anniversary of having art installations in the park. So, uh, And they have several throughout the year. So definitely worth a That's... visit for anyone coming to New York City to have a good look at uh, Madison Square oh, that Park. That sounds absolutely lovely, that does. Wow, yeah. Now, uh, speaking of food, as we were, and uh, vegan food, um, what a great story this is that you found. While you were here, and I don't know the bakery, uh, at Fitzroy in Melbourne that makes beautiful croissants and everyone loves them, but uh, there's a connection with New York City, in fact, to Manhattan. Yes. Um, a friend, an American friend, when they knew I was going to Melbourne, they said, oh, the best, croissants in the world are at a bakery in Fitzroy. Actually, they have a location in the CBD, but it's called Lume or Loom. And uh, he said, you have have to try it. So I did when I was staying in Fitzroy, close by. I was able to go to their headquarters and they have quite an incredible setup. Of course, the doors opened at 7.30. I got there early and there was a line, a queue around the block to get in. So I knew that something was doing well and uh, in fact I sampled and I will say probably one of the best croissants I've ever sampled and I learned during that visit to Melbourne that uh, one of the chefs who'd have worked at this location actually opened a location here in New York City. Wow. So in fact I went there this morning just this morning it's Mm. called Supermoon it's on the Lower East Side I got a city bike to ride down there it took me about 10 minutes Mm. and uh, just before coming on I will say I enjoyed a delightful croissant. It must be one of the lightest and um, crunchiest croissants I've ever tasted in my oh, entire life. So yeah. uh, they're doing something right. I will say there was also a line outside the one here in New York, uh, not quite as big as the line in Fitzroy, but uh, he's obviously doing something right. I was a little disappointed because I made a trip down there yesterday yeah. only to find out that this location is closed on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. Um, very un-New York to close on a Tuesday and Wednesday. Very. Pretty much yeah. everything <laughs> in New York is open all day, every, every day. day. So, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know what was going on, but uh, well, maybe they don't open on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. So um, 
for anyone that's interested in one of the best croissants or other pastries that they have, Eclairs, they have quite a selection. Great. Um, I'm going to post it on my Instagram shortly. But, um, yes, definitely a place worth visiting if anyone comes to the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Okay. And for my Melbourne listeners, if you've not been there, uh, that's called The Loom, L-U-M-E Bakery in Fitzroy. And apparently the best croissant uh, you'll ever taste right here in Australia. Yeah, maybe he's um, maybe the baker's testing the water a bit and might be intending to open up a bit more often, see how he goes, but it sounds like he's going all right. Yes, I think he's doing very well indeed, yes. So, um, and also, just to mention to your listeners, Tim, that um, the Fitzroy location, they also have one on Collins Street in the city, in the central business district. There you go, so, there you go. Well, that's even more central. But not quite as big yeah. as the- yeah. the main store in Fitzroy. Definitely oh. worth a visit to the one in Fitzroy. I've got you. I've got you. Well, uh, welcome back uh, to New York and uh, hope to see you again here sometime. And this is my last weekend doing this for a little while, Tim. So thanks for all of your input. It's been great. Oh, Tim, it's been a pleasure. I wish you all the best and hopefully we'll reconnect in the future. I'm sure. Thank you, mate. ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. 